the history of alternative podcast a historic look back at everything alternative alternative halloween edition in the history of alternative every day is halloween wolves like me are howling for you freaks on leashes are rattling them bones and that brings us here under a killing moon it's spooky time it's rewatch every george romero and john carpenter movie time it's treat hellbilly deluxe like zeppelin four time it's pumpkin spice season with a splash of blood i'm james van osdell that's john manley hey this week's show is sponsored by wintrust you goblins and ghouls go to wintrust.com for locations and haunted information this is a glorious time of year john right out of the gate who is in your estimation the quintessential halloween artist Oh boy. Well, I mean, the first name the first name that comes to mind would be Alice Cooper. The second name that comes to mind would be Rob Zombie. I think Rob Zombie is the heir apparent to Alice Cooper. Yeah, I feel like that's exactly correct. And he he does all the right Halloween stuff. I mean, he's directed horror movies. On stage, I, I saw him live a couple years ago. He played at the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater on, in the Chicago suburbs, big outdoor shed. And I'm watching this stage show, and I've seen Alice Cooper a bunch of times too. And I'm thinking, oh, the, the student is now the teacher. He has taken that mantle from Alice Cooper. The, the big production, the, the ghoulishness, everything. Zombie's the guy. He is the well, You know what's artist. funny is, um, first of all, Rob Zombie is surprisingly like slender, I guess, is the word I would go with. Like He is surprisingly not as big and as scary as he appears on screen, which is always a weird thing when you meet him. You're like, oh, you're just kind of a dude. Okay. Uh Um, And along those same lines, uh, I spent a lot of time in Arizona. And, you know, Alice Cooper, like, hangs out in Phoenix. And I met Alice Cooper. This is the greatest because, you know, you think of him as this, like, scary monster person. I met him at a Kona Grill eating sushi <laughs> wearing uh he must have just come from the golf course or something because sure. he was in full like square i'm a golf guy attire and it was very jarring where it was like oh no don't you like should you have where's a python or something scary around you and no none of that existed it was just him and his sushi and his white belt, and it was very disappointing. Oh, he, he's very much that guy. I, when I saw him at that particular show, I was backstage. It's not even a humble brag, but it sets up the story. I mean, it's pretty and humble. I, I saw his tour bus, and attached to the tour bus was a trailer hitch with his car, Arizona Plates. And I asked someone, I think it was his bass guitarist, Chuck Garrick, I said, is that his car? Oh, yeah. Wherever we go, he likes to drive off on his own and hit the links. So he yeah, likes to have car. that freedom when he's on the road to go, you know, play 18 holes. Yeah, he's way into that stuff, which is cool, which is cool. So, yeah, I would say those two right off the, the top have to be the two top ones. And, I mean, of course, Marilyn Manson probably makes the um, Mount Rushmore of spooky artists, right? Like, sure. I mean, he's a character. He, like, that's his whole shtick, so. That is his whole shtick. I, I think people tend to not pay as much attention to his music as they should because i will stand on record uh that new album from marilyn manson that just came out this fall it came out in 911 uh is i think fantastic it's called we are chaos i um, think it's one of the more surprising albums of the year okay i'm uh i'm so back and forth with marilyn manson uh, like he's a terrible person and that has to kind of be out there but I remember, I don't think I've ever listened to music that creeped me out as much as his first album did. Or like whatever the breakthrough with Sweet Dreams, um, that first record. What was it? Something about Dead Babies, right? Wasn't it on the album? Uh, <laughs> no, that was not. The, Dead Babies is an Alice Cooper song to, to tie it back to him. Uh, the one that broke him through was Portrait of an American Family. Okay. Um, so... I remember hearing that album and like, I loved, um, it's just kind of weird. Like I kind of go on the radio a lot and wax product about how much I hate cover songs. Um, but a good cover song is incredible. And his cover of sweet dreams was ridiculous. I loved it. Loved it. Um, 
And so I got the album and, you know, this is, you know, back in the late nineties. So it wasn't like you had your iPod or whatever. So you could just listen to 700 different songs. It's like, mm-hmm. you were stuck with, you're stuck with an album. And I, I remember putting that in my car and I was, I delivered pizzas at the time. So popped it in and off I went to go to work or whatever, driving around uh lovely racing, Wisconsin, um, mm-hmm. delivering pizzas, listening to Marilyn Manson. <laughs> and I remember getting at, to the end of that, uh, the album and going, this might be too much for me. <laughs> Well, I don't. Feel, I don't feel good about myself after listening to that. <laughs> to your point about Manson maybe not being a great person, I, I did read his autobiography, "The Long Hard Road Out of Hell." Okay, you, don't, you walk away thinking that dude's lived through some pretty messed up stuff. Like, I, I wouldn't even say rock and roll lifestyle. He's just there's some demented stuff in his past, and he's one of those classic artists who it's sometimes helpful to separate the person from the artist. And just sure. focus on the art. It, it it sure makes it a lot easier. Yeah, that's fair. And and like I mean, you know, he really he was scary. Like he was legitimately a scary dude until he it was. It's kind of like until he got big, and then once he got big, then it kind of got sticky, right? A little bit, I guess. And then it became more just like shock value to me. But it, it's kind of like um. I was a big tool fan back in the day too. And I remember it was kind of like, um, it's like punk rockers. When, if you bring up like green day or blink One Eighty Two, they go, <laughs> that's not punk rock. Um, you gotta listen to whoever. Um, it was like Marilyn Manson was all show but not real life but Maynard James Keenan was truly like into the devil and like there are so many phenomenal weird urban legends about him that like I feel like the worst thing he did was start making that wine because then he kind of opened himself up and like became accessible and you found out that all of these like really creepy things about Tool were just like oh it's just art oh so he doesn't worship the devil huh well, I, I have one Maynard James Keenan story. Uh, a Perfect Circle played Metro in Chicago. This is early 2000s. And I worked in radio at the time. I, I do now. Uh, but I worked in radio back then, and we had a meet and greet where after the show, winners and listeners get to meet the band. There were two meet and greet lines. One was for the band, which at the time was James or Billy Howardell and James Eha. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I forgot James Eha was in that. That's right. The other line was for Maynard. The difference between the two lines was one line looked like a bunch of normal human beings. The other line looked like central casting of hot goth chicks. It was all like 19-year-old, like thigh-high boot, corseted girls. Yeah. And, I mean, it was conspicuous. It was all like just hot young goth chicks. And I mentioned it to, I don't know if it was management or the record company, and the response was, Oh, yeah, that's Maynard's dessert table. Ew. Ew. Dessert table. Yeah, that's what he calls his meet and greet. Okay. They should not have told you that. No, it, it, it made my flesh crawl, which is appropriate to talk about as this is the Halloween episode. There you go. So <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a Maynard James Keenan story for you. So he is from Jerome, Arizona. And the urban legend was that he had a house up there, and it was all weird, and there was, like, a room in the basement that was, like, six by six by six and all of these crazy <laughs> stories. And the thing about Jerome, Arizona is um, that's like allegedly the most haunted city in America or one of them, right? There's like a, it's an old mining town that is basically built on a series of switchbacks. It's built on the side of a mountain. It's a mining town yeah. that just exists. It still exists. Ghost town in the true sense of the term. And then also the figurative, like it's supposedly really haunted. There's like a there's a hotel at the top of the mountain that like, you know, it's it's all of the great stories where it's like, oh, people died down the elevator shaft, and if you stay there, you can hear them screaming at midnight and all that kind of stuff. So one year for Halloween, because I love, I used to really love paranormal paranormal stuff until it became an, an industry, and now it's like diluted and stupid, and it's all fake, right? And that, that bums me out. And people believe 
um, conspiracy theories, which ruins them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I used to like to do, I always try to do something truly paranormal on Halloween. So like go to like a, try to go to a haunted place every year. So one year we decided that we were going to go to Jerome, Arizona, and we were going to find Maynard's house and we were going to stay and interview people. I was doing an internet radio show at the time. So we were going to go up there and interview people and get like haunted stuff on tape. That was the goal. We're going to go ghost hunting and record all of it. And we, uh, we get there and it's so bizarre because it is, again, you're going up switchbacks that are like up the side of a mountain. So like uh-huh. you look over your car out your window you don't see anything. Yeah, like I can't it, do that. It I was can't. the drive itself was the scariest part of this whole thing. Sure. So you get to the city, you go to the city, the town. We pull in, and um, we started going into bars because we figured we'd go into a bar, talk to the bartender, buy a drink, have him tell us a story, and we'll keep it moving. A couple of things happened at this point. One, altitude can do weird things to your body. Mm-hmm. especially altitude mixed with alcohol. I, at the time, and still am pretty good at holding my liquor. I can, I can go. I believe that's true. Um, in mile high altitude, absolute high school freshman. <laughs> Didn't know this at the time. So we go to these bars. I'd take a shot, ask the bartenders. The weirdest thing was nobody would tell us a story. Like, it was like, we don't want to talk about it, which made it more exciting, right? Of course. What is everybody trying to hide? Uh, The problem was, so we had to keep going into bars. So after about the fourth or fifth bar, your boy is (laughs) crashed. (laughs) And, like, you know, there's that, like, drunk where you go, like, oh, I'm drunk. And then there's the drunk where you're like, oh, guys, I'm, I'm drunk. Help. I'm really trashed. So... We had set up a meeting with this lady from the historical society who was going to take us around town and give us a tour. And we were going to interview her. I'm so drunk that I have my co-host with me and I have to tell her, I was like, I'm out. Like, I'll go with you, but like, you can't put me on camera or on tape because I can't even, I can't even talk straight at this point, James. I am like that wrecked. So we get to this historical society. The lady shows up. And to this day, I'm not sure she wasn't really a ghost. She looked about 700 years old. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's something weird about old women that have long hair. I don't know what that is because you don't I, see it I very don't know often. What that is either. Okay. But there's something weird about it. Like old, white, and strawy, and like in a big bun. Like it was, um, she looked like Mother from Psycho, minus with actual face. Like it's what <laughs> she looked like. Just like really crazy. And she took us around these hotels that were like super weird and creepy and it was like so bizarre and weird and i to this day have never been so scared of nothing in my life nothing happened we saw no ghosts and yet the entire time i was drunk and terrified and it was maybe one of my favorite nights of all time never saw maynard james keenan's house or anything like that but the whole point was to go there see ghosts and see maynard and all i got was drunk which was kind of worth it in hindsight. In hindsight. In so, hindsight. all right, back to Halloweeny type artists. Yes. I, I think you have to include Guar. Oh, yeah, for sure. The, the monster band? Yeah, yeah. Uh, have you seen Guar? I have never seen Guar live in person. It's exactly what you think it is. And it's, it's, it's like the metal version of a Gallagher show. You don't want to sit in the first few rows because you're going to get tagged yeah. with something, whether it's mock blood, mock semen. It, Let me ask show. you a question. If you had to be doused in something, would you prefer mock blood, mock urine, mock feces, or mock semen? What mock fluid would you choose? I'm going, I'm going mock blood. I think it makes a better better story, especially this time of year. Harder to get out of the clothes, though. I, I think you go assuming that the clothes are, are done for. This is, their, this is their last last trip out. Uh, another, another band I... I almost have to include for Halloween purposes is Ghost. I love oh, this yeah, band. Oh, yeah, for sure. Ghost is awesome. Ghost is awesome. I first time I saw them was Bottom Lounge in Chicago, which is a smallish room, probably holds, I, I'm guessing, eight, 800, 1,000 people. 
if that, and is their first tour, and they have such a look. the The lead singer comes out looking like you know he's wearing like corpse paint, but he's wearing a, a cardinal's outfit, like a, a Roman church cardinal's outfit. All the band members, and I forgot his name, Papa Emeritus. Um, all the band members are dressed like druids or like Jawas from the first Star Wars movie. Before the band played one note that night, all the merch had sold out. Yeah, for they, sure. They have such a distinct look. They're they they are all in with their image and brand and the, the spookiness. People had to have the merch. I, I, I was thinking, oh, I'll buy something afterward because I don't want to be that guy holding a T-shirt for an entire concert. I hate that or like shoving yeah. it in my pocket, just getting it sweaty. Uh, but, yeah, no such luck. I think they had like extra small and triple X at the end of the night. That's an interesting band, too, because don't they change? They change their singer every couple of years, don't they? Uh, like change, they the singer they changes change identity. The yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool be, band. Very cool band. A very throwback sound. Their, their music is nearly as scary sounding as the band's image. Totally. Like, like an edgier Blue Oyster cult? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, controversial, but if we're talking Halloween bands or whatever you want to call it, do you put Kiss in there because they dress up and wear crazy makeup? Sure. And in fact, I'll go as far as to say one of the earliest Halloween costumes I remember wearing was Peter Chris of Kiss. He was the man. cat, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one one more ghost note. One of my all-time favorite – you're a foodie. Um, one of my all-time favorite food things is tied to ghost. There is a burger place in the Chicago area. It started on the north northwest side of Chicago and has since branched out to the suburbs in Indianapolis, a place called Kuma's Corner. A few oh, yeah. years ago, great. basically they create burgers – to celebrate different metal acts. So there's a Metallica burger, there's a Slayer burger, there's a Mastodon, there's a Zeppelin. To honor Ghost, they did the Ghost Burger, and this became their most famous or infamous burger. It got national press. The Ghost Burger is a 10-ounce beef patty, braised goat shoulder, ghost pepper aioli, aged white cheddar, a red wine reduction, and a communion wafer. They were, pro- they were protested, they were written about uh, for their, their sacrilege or heresy, whatever, all over the country. Uh, you couldn't ask for more, more press than what they got for the Ghost Burger. I love that. That's incredible. And I think what it was, other bands? It was, it was either a year or two ago, they brought it back on Easter weekend, just for the weekend. They uh, resurrected it. Big shout-outs to Kuma's Corner, because that place is amazing. Uh, and one of the first places I checked off my list as soon as I moved back to Chicago. Yeah, if you're going to uh, go, go there hungry. Oh, yeah, and, and, and if you go, should we split it? Yeah, you probably should. If, that's, if that thought's in your mind, if you're with somebody, there's enough for two. I don't know. Just because you should doesn't mean... I don't, I'm not saying you should, yeah. but I'm mm-hmm. saying, yeah, it's, it's, it's manageable. Um, what other, like bands would you consider not to be not like Halloweeny, like you know um kiss where they're just painted up but like truly disturbing or like creepy bands i don't know if creepy is what i'm going for here but i, I think you have to include a lot of goth artists yeah. i mean I, when i think of halloween i think of those first few minutes of the movie the hunger where there's peter murphy doing Bauhaus, Bella Lugosi's Dead. To me, that's like this quintessential goth slash Halloween spooky music moment. Who has ever programmed a a radio station and not played that song on Halloween? Like there's rules to the game and that's one of them. I think it just comes (laughs) up. I think it just comes up in the scheduler. Like it just appears. Like if you're on the radio at three o'clock on Halloween afternoon, it just starts playing. It's like nine minutes long. It's so long. It's so, it's so long that it's like the best. And then it's like, oh my God, end. And then it's still going. Then it goes back to being awesome again. It like, <laughs> I See, I love all that stuff. I, I've always loved darker music. I love, you know, to stay on the goth tip, I love Sisters of Mercy, that first, uh, those first two albums, uh, Floodland especially. Uh, I, I just, for whatever reason, I've always connected with the gloomier, bleaker side of alternative sure i can see that i i, I would never have uh, i would never have guessed that it's one of my favorite like getting to know you 
moments when it was like, oh yeah, you're like into metal. This is great. Like, what? I'm into everything. I, to be I, fair, know, I, I know. I, I do. I consume everything. But I, as we're talking about Halloween, it's why I love horror movies. I love, to me, like consuming this dark type content i mean it keeps me well-rounded it's it's a way it's a catharsis in a sense it's a, it's a thrill it's it's an escape do you enjoy jump scares like do you like getting scared sure okay. i i don't like horror movies that are all jump scare based i, I like i like a little bit of dread with my horror um but sure i, I like there's a, there's a great movie that came out this year it's the most timely horror movie i think ever made called host it's on the shutter network and the entire film takes place it's an hour long takes place on a zoom call so all these actors and actresses film their parts from home during the pandemic and it is one of the scariest movies i've seen in years lots of jump scares but lots of really unsettling stuff going on but if you can mix the jump scares with that that sense of dread and oh my god what's going to happen next i, I think that that's, that makes for a fantastic movie i strongly recommend that one James, that was just our music meeting on Tuesday. I don't know what <laughs> you're Zoom talking call? about. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I didn't realize that was being filmed, but where are my royalties? That's Here's what I don't get. In the modern day of everyone's on Zoom, we're all working remotely. Don't we all agree that you can't turn off the video for a meeting? Like, if you're going to show up for a meeting, you got to have your camera on. I get oh, uncomfortable. No, I hard disagree. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a video off guy as much as possible. You can't do that. I, I thought the rules like engagement say you have to show your face. I mean, I don't see that in the code. I didn't read the, the bylaws of this. All right. So staying on the, the Halloween tip, which is this week's focus. What are some of those songs besides Bella Lugosi's dead, which is a given. What are some of those resonant? Um, Boy, I'll start. I mean, uh, if you want to think, I, I, I can start. I mean, I would I, I, I go back to what I said earlier. Uh, Marilyn Manson's Sweet Dreams. I mean, Marilyn Manson's entire catalog is spooky <laughs> or whatever. But that song truly is like, because you know what the original version sounds like, I think his spin on that is just incredible. Like that song like legitimately impacted me the first time I heard it, which was cool. And I like really respect that. And so, that is the secret to a good cover is completely claiming a song as your own, which he did. Yeah. And like, I just remember seeing that going like, what the hell is going on right now? Cause it was the, vi you know, uh, not to date myself here, but like I heard that song the first time on MTV. That's right. Kids television, music videos. It was a thing. So weird. Um, but I remember seeing that video and was like dead in my tracks. Like I was at a party and you couldn't pry me away from that TV performance. It was like, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was amazing. Since you mentioned video, uh, quick sidetrack, you help program 101 WKQX in Chicago. You probably have a, a better sense of this than I ever could, and I, I've been dying to ask someone this. Are we in a situation worldwide where we might see a resurgence in music videos? I feel like as musicians can't tour right now, everything the world's kind of on hold, the opportunity for artists to express themselves in this way I, I think has never been greater or the need for artists to do this has never been greater. And it, it feels like there's a, a wide opening for a, a music video resurgence. I think there's a lane there. I think the problem and the challenge is that, you know, it takes a village to make one of these dumb videos. So is that true? I mean, we're doing a radio show apparently. over zoom right now. I mean, I, I think the technology is at, at the ground level the for everybody. The technology is there. And I think you have some artists that embrace it and know how to make it work. And then, I mean, 21 Pilots, Level of Concern is a good example of, like, that was filmed during a pandemic by themselves, and it really turned out well. So can you? Yes. Um, look, at, um, look at Glass Animals. I feel like no band right now is embracing, for lack of a better term, the constraints of living through a pandemic as well as they are. Um, they have done really cool stuff on basically all the platforms and are doing a, um, a thing next weekend where they're doing, it's called live in the internet. And it's like, a, it's just a virtual show is what I'm guessing, but like they're doing a lot of augmented reality stuff with their new album and things like that. I don't think anybody is doing it better than glass animals. 
I wish more bands kind of to your point would do more, but I'm kind of under the impression that they're kind of living through this the same way we are, mm-hmm. where none of us know what the hell's going on or what to do. <laughs> yeah. I, I think this is a real moment, a, re- a real opportunity for creatives. The traditional ways of doing things don't work right now. So how do you navigate right through this? How do you find your way through a pandemic and still get your artistic and marketing and commercial needs met? Yep. All right, JVO, back to scary songs, uh, you know, Halloween what, songs. One of my favorites of all time came out in 1994, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, uh, the Let Love In album. I remember loving this song when the album first came out. I feel like it didn't gain momentum for many years later. The song Red Right Hand, which is Nick Cave is no stranger to writing creepy music. The Mercy sure. Seat is, is an all-time favorite of mine. Uh, this song is based on Milton's Paradise Lost. What if the breath that kindled those grim fires awaked should blow them into sevenfold rage and plunge us in the flames or from above? Should intermittent vengeance arm again his red right hand to plague us? That's where that's the inspiration. Uh, but Nick Cave, it just he's he's a poet. He's he's a fantastic writer. Take a little walk to the edge of town and go across the tracks where the viaduct looms like a bird of doom as it shifts and cracks, where secrets lie in the border fires and the humming wires. Hey, man, you know you're never coming back. Past the square, past the bridge, past the mills, past the stacks. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. Hell yeah. It's so Edgar Allan Poe-ish. Oh, Nick it. Cave is the best. But that, to me, is a great, not as obvious as a Bella Lugosi's Dead or a Pet Cemetery sure. by the Ramones, but that's a great Halloween song because it, it really tells a story, a, a chilling, unsettling story. I was, you totally stole my thunder there. I was about to counter your wonderful quote with a quote from one of my favorite Halloween songs. I don't want to be buried <laughs> in a pet cemetery. <laughs> I don't want to live my life again. That's a Thank great you. song too. And Dude, the, Pet Cemetery is one of the first like horror movies I ever got to see. And I don't think I remember much about Pet Cemetery 1, but I vividly remember Pet Cemetery 2. The like most that recent was a big moment remake. No, 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 no. The sequel, Pet Cemetery Two. Oh, got it, got it. With um, what's his name? Uh, I almost called him uh, Kevin Federline, but that's not right. Um, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Uh, the kid from Terminator Two. Um, Edward Furlong. There we go. Um, that movie tripped me out bad. Like that was one of those not defining movies, but like I remember watching that. And like, what the hell is this? This is crazy. I've seen many horror movies, John. I've never seen that one, but I don't think you're missing anything. Oh, I, that was my <laughs> that was my thought from the get go. Uh, yeah, the, nice. the remake the, or the reboot that came out in 2019, I thought was surprisingly good. Uh, John Lithgow, especially, was yeah. amazing in that movie. Um, how about uh, this? Is one of my favorite Halloween or themed songs. TV on the radio is Wolf Like Me. It's a great one. The best is the video at the end where he realizes that he's become this, he's turned back into a human and the guy shows up and he's like, so yeah, we're vampires now or uh, we're werewolves now. And it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Do songs from Rocky Horror count? Well, of course it's, it's a, I mean, it's kitsch, but that counts. Absolutely. I feel like Tim Curry doing sweet transvestite is Absolutely. one of those all time classics. Absolutely. There's a song by this uh, British artist named Jamie T called Zombie, which is the same thing. It's not creepy by any stretch, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not like a, it's not like the cranberry zombie where it's like this political message wrapped up in Mm -hmm. something. It's literally just like a joke about how we live life like we're zombies. And the video, the music video is very funny um, where it's like the band is basically our zombies. And as they're playing the guitar, like his arm falls off or like the drummer starts hitting the drums and as he progressively keeps drumming like his arms get nuts smaller and smaller and there's just blood spraying everywhere and it's really funny it's a really great song and a really great video uh, speaking of zombies and going back to rob zombie i mean plenty of stuff to choose from there i think his songs that were made for his movies are especially good halloween songs i think the devil's rejects is great and house of 1000 corpses is a fantastic rob zombie song solid for good movie too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or not? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, another song I love uh, that is kind of spooky, 1974, David Bowie put out an album called Diamond Dogs, which was more or I less a, a, a suite of dystopian-type themed songs. Uh, some really good stuff. Some obvious big hits on there, the title track, uh, Rebel Rebel. There's a song in there called We Are the Dead, which I remember when I first bought that record years ago, listening to that in my room, headphones on. It just is creepy. The, the sonics of that, the way it's produced, it's it's just a haunting song. Bowie was really good at creating a, a scene or a mood back then. I mean, Bowie is, I mean, the thin white Duke, like he's, he is so, yeah, man, like his songs aren't just songs. They're like scenes and they're just like, boy, he could do it. Right. Like, I mean, well, you want to talk about prolific 1974. He had diamond dogs one year later, young Americans, his like American plastic soul album. One year after that, his cocaine fueled opus station to station. And then after that, low. I mean, year after year after year, he's reinventing himself and putting out legendary, influential performances. I mean, that kind Dude, of productivity. You could, throw, you could throw in I'm Afraid of Americans into like a good, creepy song playlist. Oh, yeah. And again, a great music video. Oh, absolutely. I haven't seen that in forever. I, I know. I, I, I went back to it when we were going through the History of Alternative playlist. And we got to that. I was doing. I did a, a shameless plug my blog for my 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 mixtapes. I did a Nine Inch Nails mixtape. It was either a Nine Inch Nails or a Bowie. I think I did them both back to back and put it on both of them. But this is on one hundred one. This is on one hundred one WKQX dot com. Plug. Um, yes, and uh, I put the video. I was. I, I got to that that video and watched it. And I was just like, oh my god, this is so good. There's a point in the video where he does this like smirk as he's like talking about like Johnny wants to drink a Coke or something like that. And how he's the concept of the video is he's being chased in his mind by his demons, which happened to be Trent Reznor, which makes perfect sense. And at some, at one point in the video, he kind of escapes Trent and he's in a cab and he's like finally like catching his breath. And he just has this smirk that you're like, before anything else in the video happens, you're like, this guy's in big trouble now. It's just like, it was like the quintessential horror film yes. moment where it's like, oh, don't exhale, you idiot. You know, the killer's right around the corner. And then, of course, spoiler alert, you know, Trent Reznor ends up being the cab driver. And it's like, you know, all hell breaks loose. And it's just so good. God, Bowie's Spe so great. Speaking of Trent Reznor, I, I'm going to go back on something I said. I said that a great cover is a total reinvention of an original. Here's an exception. I love the Nine Inch Nails version of the song Dead Souls. It's on the, the Crow movie soundtrack. It's, it's a cover of a Joy Division song. Pretty faithful to the original. Yeah. I like hearing Trent's voice on that one. And that, that's, a, you know, that's Dead Souls, a duel of personalities that stretch all true realities. That right there, that's awesome. Dude, that's such an amazing soundtrack, period. Like, that it whole is. soundtrack was really great. Burned by the Cures on there, which was really good. I think that was... The Big Empty showed up on there before it was released it on Tiny Music, right? Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah. I re dude, I went and saw that movie in the theaters multiple, multiple times. Um, I, um, I just, watched it, it recently. Uh, a few months ago, I watched it. My girlfriend had never seen it. And I was like, oh, it's just the quintessential 90s movie. Like, it's just so 90s. You have to watch this. And I think within, like, the first 20 minutes, I'm like, this does not stand the test of time very well at all it was it was such a 90s movie that it almost should stay there and i don't mean that as a slight to the movie i'm just saying like it was so good as a 90s film that it's a 90s film now and, and just to hold off social media and emails big empty was on purple just so we don't oh those, yeah sorry 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 just to hold those those people off you know who you are great album by the way purple purple really oh great. yeah uh, so going back to the Crow soundtrack, I, I haven't looked at this forever. Uh, Golgotha, Tenement Blues from Machines of Loving Grace. I used to love that song and uh, Butterfly Wings from them. Rage, Doing Darkness, Rollins Band, Helmet, Pantera. My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult, Chicago's Finest with After the Flesh, Snake Driver from the Jesus and Mary Chain. What? This is a stupidly good soundtrack. Very good soundtrack. Very good soundtrack. And 
the real question you have to ask yourself though is how the hell do Violet Femmes get on here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're they're on there with the song called Color Me Once. I, I feel like they lost their own script after a couple albums. I feel like they lost the, their own script every couple of years. That was that's kind of the legacy of the Violent Femmes, right? Yeah. You know. So movie-wise, see, I I feel guilty doing this show this week because I am all in with horror, and I don't I, I I don't have a clear gauge as to whether or not this is your thing or if you're just humoring me this week. I'm are into you, it, man. Are you into horror movies? I'm not like hardcore into horror movies, but I do. I love the classics. I get, well. I shouldn't say the classics because that would be in reference to like, you know, the original Dracula and things like that. I am into the like heyday of Friday the 13th, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, Halloween's were great. Um, as you can see from my, my virtual background, if you're, if you're looking, The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a movie. That movie wrecked me, man. That movie ruined me for a while. I remember... Um, I was probably not old enough to be watching The Exorcist, to be honest with you, but my friend's parents let us rent it back in the, you know, go to the video days. Yeah. One of my favorite things as a kid, I used to love to go into the horror section at, um, at, at video stores because there was always really pretty girls on the cover and all sorts of like gory, scary pictures. And that yes. was like, I loved it. Um, it was like so, buying records back in the day. You, you'd read movies based on the cover without knowing a thing about it. I remember going to record stores as a kid, and I would pick up records just because the, the covers look cool. Yeah, these guys look, this, this, this looks cool. I'm going to listen to it. Right. Um, and like 85% of the time, if you bought a record because the cover was good, you were disappointed. <laughs> a, a perfect, perfect example. Anything by the Grateful Dead. I thought they looked way cooler yes. than, I, than I found out they sounded. Yes. So we... Um, we rented The Exorcist because we were film. We had to do a book report in school, and we we both read. This is bizarre. We read the Amityville Horror, and we decided for our book report we were going to make a a movie. We were going to do like we were going to Swede the Amityville Horror basically, and we're like seventh graders, so we don't have any. We have nothing. We have like one of those big gigantic clunky camcorders, and then whatever we could figure out to make special effects. A lot of fishing line to make things levitate <laughs> was the trick. Um, so we spent all day and all night filming the Amityville Horror Book Report. And then that night we watched The Exorcist. And, you know, up until this point in my life, the only scary movies I'd watched were just like scary slasher films, Freddy. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking for some comedy one or two boobs and then gore, right? Right. Supernatural horror is its own thing entirely. Uh, I was not prepared or even warned about what was about to come my way. And I remember sitting through that entire movie and the whole time I'm watching it, all I could think to myself was, I'm not supposed to be watching this. That's the thing. I, I can't get over how many movies I saw as a kid that my parents should have never let me see. R-rated. Yeah. I don't know if it was a generational thing, but I, I know I have children now, and I, there are so many movies that they have never seen or will get to see because things are just different now. Yeah, these were all every horror movie I saw was without my mom knowing. That was like that's what made it great. Was I was everybody has a friend that taught you how to swear, right? Um, I had the friend that taught me how to swear, and also his parents didn't care what we watched on TV. So we could, we would watch all these Freddies and like, it was such a rush for me because not only the element of the, the scariness of the shows, but the element of like, I am breaking rules right now. Right, and they're this forbidden. Is like, yeah, this is really exciting. Um, but The Exorcist was the one though that like when I was done, I kind of wanted to go talk to my mom about it and just be like, <laughs> I saw something last night and I, my like, 12-year-old brain is not having a good time. <laughs> it's amazing out. to me. Yeah. It's amazing to me how much that still holds up. I just watched for my very first time and this is shocking to say as a horror movie fan, for my very first time I saw Rosemary's Baby, which is mm-hmm. older than me by far. That movie costuming aside feels 
like it could have come out yesterday. It, it's just so well done, and the story holds up so much, and it has one of the greatest endings I've ever seen in a movie. And it's just it's the classics are classics for a reason. There's a reason why we can still watch The Exorcist and still feel creeped to the bejesus, which you know. There's a reason why Rosemary's Baby still sure. sends chills up your spine. These are just unbelievably well done and well created stories. What movie do you think deserves a remake, like an updated version? Not not like a reboot or like a we're gonna spin it into like a new thing, but like we're gonna redo the movie and update it to be 2020, like scary movie wise. I don't have a quick answer for scary movie. My standard answer for a question like this is Logan's Run. Going back to, I love dystopian shit. Sure. Not a horror movie, it's a sci-fi movie. The The original one, based on the William Nolan book, uh, came out in the 70s. It is unwatchable. It is so cheesy <laughs> and dated. Uh, it's a great concept for a story that is screaming for a remake. Um, I would go, I, the reason I thought of the question was, I was just trying to think of like good scary Halloween-y movies. Um, I loved The Omen back in the day. Sure. I think that, that still holds be, up. I don't know if that needs a remake. I, I think that, like, um, I mean, yeah, I suppose. I suppose you're right. There are, you know, classics aside, I, I, people always ask, what are some good current horror movies? Especially, you know, we're in October right now. Yeah. There are some people, if you look on your social media timelines, you see on Instagram, people doing like a 31-day horror movie challenge where every day they're watching a new horror movie and posting about it. I, I think people struggle trying to find some really good ones from the past 20 years. I always recommend It Follows. Have you seen that? Mm -mm. Basically, STIs as horror metaphor or vice versa, uh, it is one of the, the creepiest and intense horror movies of the past 10 years. Strongly recommend that. Uh, in fact, when we hang up, I encourage you to, to rent that on Amazon Prime. All right. uh, I also really love this movie called The Invitation. It's on Netflix. Have you seen this? Nope. Okay. Strongly recommend this. This is a slow burner. Like you're not going to oh, get I, I love when you, when you give me that look, I know this is about to get real. Like you're, I, this is important. <laughs> I love this movie, The Invitation, a female director whose name I, I, I forgot. I'll have to pull it up. Basic premise is it's a dinner party in the Hollywood Hills. Uh, an ex-husband and his new girlfriend go to the ex-wife's house for a dinner party. Haven't seen each other since the death of their child. And everything seems like normal and proper at the dinner party. There are lots of new friends there, some old friends. And there's just a sense of what something is wrong here. And you're seeing things through the ex-husband's eye. And he's led to believe that he's exaggerating the way he's feeling or perceiving things. And he's he, he's basically led to believe that I'm just being bitter or I can't let things go. But okay. as a viewer, you're like, no, th this isn't right. Things are not okay. By the third act, everything blows up. Again, slow build, but it's that, that mounting sense of unease, that mounting creep that you feel. I mentioned the ending of Rosemary's Baby. The ending of The Invitation is one of my all-time favorite movie endings. All time. All time. The movie ended, and my jaw dropped. I'm like, no way. And the ending was so good, I rewatched it one week later. And I don't like rewatching movies. I feel like if I, have, if I have two free hours to myself, I want to do something I haven't done before. I rewatched that. I, I loathe rewatching anything. Drives me nuts. So The Invitation. Strongly recommend that. Again, slow build. I, th I think it's still on Netflix. So instead of just scrolling endlessly for Netflix, hoping for inspiration, hopefully I can point you in that direction. Okay. Do you like gore? Um, Are you okay with gore? Let me rephrase. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Sure. Are you okay with really intense, unsettling gore? No, I don't oh. like um, the gore doesn't bother me. Um, I'm going to sound kind of prudish here, but I don't care. I don't, I don't like movies that use that, as the way to scare you, I guess. I like, like, I don't like torture porn. I thought I didn't either. <laughs> it's, it's a weird <laughs> way to go into this. I, I avoided Saw for the longest time for that exact yeah. reason. I avoided the Hostel movies for the same reason. You know, really, though, the difference between Saw and Hostel, though, Saw, because I watched them too, as I just waxed poetic about how uh -huh. it's, you should never do that. Um, 
I appreciated Saw for it had at least a little bit of that weird, and maybe it's just because it was Jigsaw, but like it had enough of a little bit of a like a, an homage or kind of a a nod to like the classic Freddy Kruegers, and mm-hmm. where it's like this spooky guy who's really not that spooky. It's just weird, and there's like a couple little silly parts that you go, oh. like the hostel. However, I, like that was just torture. It was. The second one, I think, is better than the first one, for what it's worth. But what I was getting at, there's a movie that came out. Uh, I believe it's an Eli Roth movie. Uh, Eli Roth, uh, Green Inferno. Okay. It's, I would say, among the best of the cannibal movies. <laughs> <laughs> I want that to be the, uh, the quote from, from this episode for the, for the yes. promo. Yes. Uh, Actually, Eli Roth was responsible for the Hostel movies as well. Right. It is, it's it's an upsetting movie, but I couldn't take my eyes off it. Uh, basically, snotty kids go to uh, an island of uh, a tribe of people that have been undisturbed forever. Oh, and- yeah. Yes. Yes. I know about this movie, and I sort of kind of wanted to watch it. And it's on Netflix. After, like, yeah, after reading like the reviews, they're like, this is so twisted. You have to see it. It's, I mean, there are a lot of scenes that you watch through your hand, you know, how you kind of peek through the, the crack between yeah, your fingers. Yeah, yeah, I It left a mark, but it's... Well, there's that. Yeah. It, that, I would recommend that for, for people of very strong composition. Got you. I don't know if I have the fortitude, but we'll see. What about, uh, are you a Walking Dead guy? I'm not. I've tried. I, I, I can't do it. I, I found it really boring for the first couple episodes, and I couldn't jump back in. But if you like zombie stuff, have you seen Train to Busan? Train to Busan? It's, I want to say, Indian or Pakistani made, uh, among the best zombie movies of the past 10 years. Some um, of the best images, like zombie-related images you'll see. Speaking of zombies, are you, do you game at all? Are you a gamer at all? I don't. Although, I did recently play a zombie VR game at this place called Sandbox. It's in Oak Brook. This fully immersive thing where you go into a mansion and you kill zombies. Cool. It was the it was the most ridiculous fun I've ever had. Um, I was gonna say the best zombie thing I've experienced, maybe ever. Um, the the um, the Last of Us uh, video games, Last of Us One, Last of Us Two. The basic premise is of uh, a, a virus gets loose and basically wipes out civilization. And the first game you're playing as a, you play as a, as a guy who um, just lost his daughter. And the, the game starts right when shit hits the fan. Uh-huh. And it's so for the first like hour of the game, there's, it's not really trying to figure out the zone. It's just getting the hell away from everyone. It's just escaping for like an hour. It is just like full pucker for 45 minutes where you're just like it's like uh when a cutscene starts you like exhale you're like oh my god thank god i can just breathe for a second um and essentially throughout the game you meet a little girl um who is important to the story that doesn't really matter for this but and you basically have to get her to a place that's the whole that's the whole game and it's not um it's um it's not like a million monsters coming at you. It's not like World War Z or anything like that. It is very um subtle and quiet and like when these it's all audible, like you listen to it play with headphones and it's like the sound quality is terrifying because you can hear the zombies. And that's like the trick of the game is like they're blind, so you have to be quiet. And if you decide it's kind of a cool system because it's like you can decide to shoot the zombie but if you do the gun's gonna go off and then if there's any other zombies in the area it's like uh was that 28 days later where yeah. like the fast zombies which we've never oh, seen yeah. before uh, there are fast like zombies that. in train to Basan as well i, I awesome. love the fast moving zombies um anyways last of us one and last of us two the sequel that just came out this year like will leave you impacted it's, it's that good like, it's like it's like playing a movie it's incredible I love it. And uh, speaking of 28 days later, 28 weeks later, I think is the better of the uh, franchise. Was that the second one? Yeah. They couldn't figure it out in 28 days. It lasted 28 weeks. Brutal. 
28 <laughs> weeks later. Uh, another movie that I, I strongly recommend, if you like more comedic type horror, is Drag Me to Hell, which came out this century as well. That's a Sam Raimi. I feel like I saw that, but I could be wrong. Worth a watch. And uh, if you're into kind of like 80s throwback stuff, which you kind of hinted you might be, House, sure. of, the, House of the Devil is another one I would strongly recommend. See, I like that movie just by the name of the title. That sounds like a movie that I would like. It's it's pretty great. I forgot, I, I'm terrible with directors' names on this. Uh, oh, Ty West or T West. This came out in 2009. Uh, basically, babysitter, devil worship. It, it hits. It hits a lot of the high notes. All right, you're gonna take us out with this. I need one song, one movie, and one piece of candy hmm. to wrap up my Halloween. I'm going to mention the band Ghost again. There's a song out there. It's called Year Zero, which is just satanic. Over and over, they repeat, Belial, Behemoth, Beelzebub, Asmodeus, Satanus, Lucifer. They just chant that. It's like gothic chanting going on. Yeah. Did you conjure something just just now? Like, Look over your shoulder. It's a little, a little concerning. <laughs> I, I think that is a great Halloween song, and it's not a traditional or, or typical pick a la Bella Lugosi's Dead or Living sure. Dead Girl or anything like that. Movie-wise, one of my favorite horror movies of all time is, I guess it's technically a science fiction movie, but I, I think of it as a straight-up horror movie, and that is the 1978 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's a movie that... That's a horror movie for sure. It's, it was a remake. It's since been redone a couple times. Uh, Donald Sutherland, Leonard Nimoy, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, it is... A really stressful movie to watch. It is scary. I, I saw it when I was a kid. I've seen it a few times since. It still, it still strikes terror in my heart. And because of the internet and the way things go, the ending's been ruined a million times over. That has one of the all-time greatest movie endings. All right, last last part: the candy. I'm not a chocolate guy. Actually, and let me caveat this: Halloween candy. Like it's in your trick or treat bag. So like, you know, that's, that's the catch. Some things taste better on Halloween, right? Fair. Okay. I'm going with an almond joy. Roll of the credits. Almond joy. The history of alternative podcast is recorded at the 101 WKQX studios in Chicago. Subscribe on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't do drugs. Stay in school. 